Hello, all you hardheads out there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is and wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Nick Ryan. This is episode four of the Hard Headed Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining and listening to me, watching the videos on YouTube. It's been a pretty fantastic first week of support. I really do appreciate all of you who have either subscribed to the YouTube channel or continue to watch or listen rather to these shows on your preferred platform, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever it may be. I just want to say thank you. We've got a shorter show today, which I am all in favor of. I admittedly did not do a very good job of keeping to my sleep schedule. Uh, I did. I, I went to bed super late last night. I was up doing some research, and the time really just got away from me. And sometimes when you do these shows, sometimes you want to be super heavy on your research. You want to make sure that you have your stats and everything uh, settled together so you make clear and concise points. And if you need to... You know, you go to your notes and you pull out something that may enhance your argument. And, you know, other things you just kind of have there to remind you to keep yourself on track. And other times, like today, you just kind of just put a couple of bullet-pointed lines and then you just go. And you talk about whatever it is you need to talk about. And uh, that, in, in some ways, that's good because it just allows you to freely ramble. And you can get some really good segments out of that. But other times, it's not so good because... Um, it could all come out a little bit incoherent. So we don't have as many notes today. We're only going to be covering uh, the NFL today, a couple of divisional round games. All four of them we're going to predict and talk about today. We're also going to be talking about the hiring of both Robert Sala and Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, of course, going to the Falcons and the Jets having hired Robert Sala. So we're going to be talking about that today. Going to be a shorter show. Hopefully I can catch up on some sleep. Uh, because this first week of doing the podcast, you you don't really appreciate in this in this business, and not to say that podcast. It's I'm talking about podcasting itself, but just in the business of of media pro- uh, production, uh, journalism, uh, television, radio. No, not many people really appreciate how much of an around the clock job it is. I mean, you really don't feel like you have a place or a time to sit because even if you're just relaxing and watching sports, I, I feel like. Oftentimes, when you're covering it, you're almost hyper-tuned to what's happening. You're taking note of almost everything that's going on, and you're not just sitting back and watching the game. You're pre- you're kind of just preparing for your next show. So anyway, I don't I don't need to really get into all the trials and tribulations of what it means to be a content creator, of what it means to produce content, and how much work it is poor, pitiful me to watch sports for a living, or at least that's what I've done for the past four years of my life. But regardless, let's get into it. I've got my notes ready. Let's talk about the Robert Sala hiring first. Robert Sala was hired as the New York Jets head coach on Wednesday or Thursday. Not exactly sure what day it was, but it was earlier in the week. I actually believed it happened uh, late Thursday. Robert Sala hired by the New York Jets to be the new New York Jets head coach. Uh, Robert Sala was the defensive assistant in Seattle in 2013. Of course, that is the Legion of Boom. Another Legion of Boom production. (laughs) Dan Quinn, of course, being hired as the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys earlier in the week. We talked about that. If you haven't watched, excuse me, if you haven't watched that clip on YouTube, that's a really good segment. You should check it out. 
But uh, Robert Sala, another product uh, coming out of Seattle from that 2013 championship team. Uh, And he also was the linebacker coach for Jacksonville in 2015 with Gus Bradley. And he was the defensive coordinator for the uh, San Francisco 49ers for the last four years under Kyle Shanahan. Um, This is a really good hire. And the main reason that this is a good hire is that the Jets essentially hired the antithesis of everything that was Adam Gase. If if you want to completely wipe a man from your memory bank, you absolutely hire you absolutely hire the antithesis of that person. So Adam Gase was not good with the media. He was kind of weird, probably tweaked out a couple of times. He was not a great football coach. He really didn't know what he was doing. He seemed uninspired. He seemed unintelligent at times and Frankly, and and I know that every single one of my friends that are New York Jets fans are like, yeah, keep going, more. <laughs> but, I mean, that that that's really where it ends with Adam Gase because he didn't do anything. The only thing that he did in New York was lose. He had no personality. It's hard to define who get Adam Gase is b- besides just a weird, losing, under underwhelming head coach. And when you take a look th- about uh, when you take a look at Robert Sala and you hear what people have to say about Sala, he is an energy boost. He is the cappuccino to your Starbucks order. He's espresso to your Starbucks order, and he is an absolute firecracker. And I think that is exactly what the New York Jets need in their organization. Robert Sala, from all reports, just being a really high energy, caring, pro player guy. And that is exactly the person that they needed in New York. It, it, it's really such a great fit. Um, and, and just because, you know, a, a lot of people are saying, well, the defense was actually one of the things that was probably the one of the better things about the New York Jets uh, the past couple of years. You know, they don't, obviously there is some young talent. There's Quinn and Williams on the defensive line. Um they they it, it why wouldn't you hire an offensive guy and just because I, I do want to make the point that just because he's a defensive coordinator doesn't know that he also doesn't know how to do offense I feel like there's a very big stigma around head coaches that whatever position they held prior to that that's going to characterize the type of team that they have and that's more or less not always the case so when you say oh the Jets hired a defensive guy he was with the Legion of Boom in Seattle in 2013 linebackers coach for Jacksonville had a, a great 49ers defense over the last couple of years uh, I think the last two years they had a top five defense in terms of yards allowed, and that's incredible considering how banged up the San Francisco 49ers were last year. A lot of that, that those injuries were on offense, but still, I digress. It's impressive how good the defense was under Robert Sala with all the injuries that San Francisco had that year. So just because uh, he's a defensive guy doesn't mean that it's going to be a strictly defensive team and... He has served with Kyle Shanahan, which is probably one of the top three offensive minds in the league at this point. So he does have some offensive chops to him. But I I think regardless of whether 
the type of team the Jets is going to be is more of a strong defensive team or a strong offensive team. That doesn't matter. As long as the team has energy and a passion to play and a culture and they want to play for the head coach. And I think that's what you're going to get out of Robert Sala is you're going to have players that want to play for this coach because he is a fascinating human being. He's an energetic human being. And that's really a lot of the qualities that you want in a good head football coach. You know, he's he's a big, tough, muscular guy with a great smile who could talk to you about whatever it is you would need to talk about. And I think a lot of NFL locker rooms would appreciate having somebody like that. So when you take a look at the Jets, which has probably been one of the worst franchises in the league for seasons upon seasons upon seasons, you think this is exactly what they need to turn it around. Now, the other big thing is that Robert Sala appears to believe in Sam Darnold. And I don't think you would have been able to hire Robert Sala if he did not have some confidence that he could do work with the roster that was already there and focus on fulfilling the team that he wants to build with the draft hall that the Jets have with this draft. If Robert Sala wasn't on board with Sam Darno, you probably might have hired somebody else. I'm I'm just going to throw that thought out there because there's a difference between starting with a brand new quarterback and then having to fit pieces around that quarterback and then as opposed to starting with a quarterback who's already been there for a couple of years he's regressed he's had lots of head coaches a lot of offensive coordinators but you have him there you understand what he does and what he can do and you can use your draft capita to start filling in the pieces around him and i think that's what the jets are going for instead of starting over with a new quarterback because again the most important relationship on an nfl football team is the quarterback and the head coach if neither of those are working you're not going to win so the fact that robert sala is coming in and reportedly is okay with darno and wants to work with darno that in my opinion is a good thing for the jets i think Dar- sam darno has talent i think he's been dragged through the mud by adam gase because of adam gase so i think robert sala coming in with all this energy this spunk this 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 charismatic personality him coming in with that being a completely pro player coach and him having draft capita to start building the rest of the team that he wants in order to turn around this franchise, uh, the Jets could be actually a decent football team by the end of next season. I don't want to set too high expectations for Sala, who is a first-time head coach. Again, he was only a defensive assistant in both Seattle, Jacksonville, uh, and of course he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers for the last four seasons. So this is his first head coaching uh, job, but... I am overwhelmingly positive about this hire. I think it's a great hire. I think the Jets did a great job. Uh, I mentioned that the Jets might hire Doug Peterson because of Doug Peterson's relationship with Joe Douglas, uh, who is the Jets general manager. I'm Now that I think about that take, I'm kind of glad that Doug Peterson didn't go to the Jets. I think Doug Peterson probably will take a couple years off uh, from... Uh, from football, and especially if Doug Peterson is in tank mode, I don't think that's where the Jets are. Despite where their record finished them last year, I think the Jets feel pretty strongly about where they can be by the end of the season. Uh, Now, on to Arthur Smith uh, very quickly. I think I'm going to run this as one segment. 
uh, Arthur Smith, the former Titans offensive coordinator, responsible for the offensive explosion in Tennessee over the last couple of seasons. And if you know anything about Tennessee Titan football, it's that the offense more or less has been pretty embarrassing for the better part of the decade. Uh, Marcus Mariota didn't exactly work out, not necessarily his fault. He was always injured, but uh, I I mean, I can't remember a Titans running game being this strong since when Eddie George was playing. Uh, And a part of that is because Derrick Henry is an absolute beast freak of nature, but the other part of that is because of Arthur Smith doing a really good job at balancing the Titans offense. You, the, you can only have a good running back if they're the defense has something to fear in the passing game because if you just have a good running back, uh, even though it's Derrick Henry, <laughs> you could still crowd the line of scrimmage and you could still effectively neutralize him for most of the game. So Arthur Smith did a really good job at balancing the offense for Tennessee. Uh, he saved Ryan Tannehill's career, uh, raised Ryan Tannehill's QBR by, I believe, around 24 points, improved his touchdown-to-interception ratio, really turned Ryan Tannehill from a, a, a bum-esque player from on the Miami Dolphins and turned him into probably one of the better starting quarterbacks in the AFC. Now, I, I do think that a lot of why Ryan Tannehill was performing so poorly was because of Adam Gase, because as a resident Miami Dolphins fan and a Green Bay Packers fan, but I was born and raised in South Florida, as a Dolphins fan, I saw a lot of talent in Tannehill, but he was never quite able to get it together. And when you look at who was there the last two seasons where, you know, when you get to that point in your, your career, the Dolphins needed to make a decision. Do you move on from Ryan Tannehill or not? Adam Gase was the head coach, and if you see how far Adam Gase regressed Sam Darno, you can understand why Ryan Tannehill moved on to Tennessee and then was able to start rebuilding his career. Obviously, it's kind of a mesh. It's not one person over the other in terms of effort here. Both people had to come together, both Ryan Tannehill and Ryan, uh, and uh, excuse me, Arthur Smith needed to come together to make this marriage work, and it worked. Uh, Arthur Smith did a great job with Ryan Tannehill, uh, but uh, not not to mention that uh, also the Titans had a 1,000-yard receiver in A.J. Brown, almost had two. Corey Davis was, I believe, like uh, like 20 yards short. I, I don't think it was exactly 20 yards. I'm using 20 yards as a ballpark number, but they, they were so close from having not only a 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry, but also having two 1,000-yard receivers in Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. So the, the only thing that I would say... And, and and keep in mind, we're talking Arthur Smith as the Falcons head coach. The only thing that really bothers me is that the the Falcons have like thir- I think it's like thirty seven million dollars over the cap space. Um, so Arthur Smith is not going into a good position. He's got to make some really tough decisions about the future of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Um, and some of the higher paid players on that roster. It's starting to get to that time. Obviously, Julio Jones is still relatively young. I think he's I think he's 29 at this point. Uh, but that Falcons offense is starting to have the window close in terms of in terms of what it's going to be able to do just simply because of cap space and also age. I think Mac Ryan is probably has about two years left. 
And it's not that it's not that um, Arthur Smith will do a bad job. And a lot, of, of course, a lot of the cap space also falls on the GM. So the GM got fired. I don't think that the Falcons have a new general manager yet. They will eventually. But that thirty-seven million is definitely going to hinder Arthur Smith's impact at the very beginning, just because he's going to have to try and figure out player personnel along with whoever this new general man- manager is. It's going to be a tough situation going into it, but I think he's capable of doing it. I'm just not sure how much of the success of the Titans offense goes to the fact that uh, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. And I don't know how much of the, success of the success of the Titans offense is due to the fact that Ryan Tannehill is actually a good quarterback that was sitting under Adam Gase. Um, I think if I had to pull straws, I think if I had to pull straws, I probably would have picked Eric Bieniemy. As my head coach over Arthur Smith, obviously Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He has Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill. He's got a great offense and perennial ta- and uh, a Hall of Fame talent under him as well. So the argument, obviously, against Eric Bieniemy is that he's been enabled by this talent. But uh, I probably would have hired Eric Bieniemy over Arthur Smith in this specific situation. Regardless, either one of them is going to have to come into a team with an older aging offense and come into cap hell uh, with whoever this new general manager for the Falcons is. But as a taking it at face value, Arthur Smith is a, a good hire. It might not be the best hire at this point, but the, you certainly could do worse. You certainly could do worse. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of really bad misses wherever the coaching carousel when when or whenever the coaching carousel starts and uh, I'm not going to say that Arthur Smith is a miss obviously I think he does have some really good offensive talent uh, and he's going to try and come in and clean up and try to salvage the remaining years of Matt Ryan and potentially set up the future for the offense of of Atlanta with Whoever they draft in either this draft or the next draft, it's very possible that they take Justin Fields or Zach Wilson at four. I would not be surprised if the Falcons uh, take Zach Wilson at four. Um, yeah, so Arthur Smith, good hire. Could could have been better with Eric Bieniemy, but I think at that point you're just clutching at straws. It goes down to personal opinion. But uh, the, the Titans, or not the Titans, excuse me, the Falcons got a pretty good head coach. Really, really happy with uh, Robert Sella in New York, as we talked about in the previous segment. Not sure if we're going to split up the segment or keep it as one. Uh, but yeah, very, very happy with both those hires. I think they'll do, they'll do some good work for both those franchises. Um, not sure if Arthur Smith is going to be as successful as Eric Bainamay were, but at this point, we're repeating ourselves. We're working on a, on a broken record. Let's go into the playoff games. This is what everybody wants to know about. And I mean the entire world. I mean uh, the, the president-elect of the country is stopping to hear my take on the NFL divisional playoffs. Um, so let's start with the game that's most interesting to me. And that is the Saints versus the Buccaneers taking place uh, on Sunday. I believe it's the afternoon game, Saints versus Buccaneers. This is the first time in NFL history that two of the all-time leading quarterbacks for passing yards are going to meet in the playoffs. And 
That is absolutely crazy to me. The storyline of this game is 100% Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. Who's going to have a better game? Who's going to have bragging rights over one another? For as uh, I, this could be the last time that they play each other in this type. It could be. Excuse me. Let me let me rephrase that. It could be the first and the last time they play each other in this type of setting. Uh, Drew Brees could retire at the end of this year. Obviously, Tom Brady is very old. We know how old Tom Brady is. Uh, but this is probably going to be one of those spectacle games that could be remembered forever, not only because of who's playing, but because how good these both these teams are, especially currently. Uh, but it's not good the good that you would be expecting from these teams. Uh, the Saints offense, I think, struggled a little bit against Chicago. Now, Chicago has a really great defense. Uh, the Buccaneers, not so much. So maybe the Saints will do better in terms of uh, offense. But uh, it was really the defense that really shut down the Chicago Bears uh, in Mitch Trubisky. And I was really impressed with the Saints defense when they played against Chicago. So for me, the storyline of this game is obviously Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, but it's also Saints defense versus Buccaneers offense. Saints defense is really hot. Buccaneers offense is really gelling as well. So who is going to be more, quote unquote, on fire in this game? Um, and, you know, if I had to pick right now, which I am having to pick right now, I would say the Saints. Uh, Taylor Heineke for the Washington football team almost came in and beat the Buccaneers in his first career playoff start uh, as an emergency quarterback. And the Washington defensive line led by Chase Young was uh, able to uh, really get after Tom Brady, three sacks, multiple QB hits and hurries, and a well-coached Washington football team with a great defensive line was able to really take it to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they almost won that game. Now it was, I think it was about an eight point margin. It was 31 to 23. So almost won the game, maybe a little bit too far of a stretch, but to keep what most people would have predicted to be a blowout to a one score game, especially for a team coming out of the NFC East, Really, really impressive by Washington, but also raises some questions about Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay offensive line, and if they'll be able to handle a Saints defense that is much, much improved over the last, uh, you know, five or six weeks of the season. Uh, I remember recalling a stat when preparing a segment uh, talking about the Saints earlier this week. At some point, I think the Saints, either week 10 through week 16, they were ranked as like the number one defense in the NFL, something along those lines. Uh, really good defense, so I think they'll probably get in Tom Brady's face. This is going to be a close game. Uh, Drew Brees is going to have some more time to heal from his broken ribs, so he might be playing a little bit a little bit better. He's had some rest. Um, some rest. I mean, he played Chicago and Khalil Mack the week before, but still... Uh, more time has passed since the injury, so he might be more prepared. He might be better. I expect the Saints offense to play a little bit better. And I think that the Saints will win this game by a score of 24-17. Uh, I would think that you could probably take uh, the Saints in all betting at this point. Uh, I really like the Saints in this game. I don't think that the Bucks have the defense to be able to keep up with the Saints. And I don't think that Tom Brady is going to have a fun time with uh, the, the, the Saints defensive line with this game. Now, the one thing to note is that the Saints have won both meetings against the Buccaneers during the regular season, and it's very, very difficult to completely sweep a team for the entire season if you play them all three times. So that's something to keep in mind if you're a betting man, uh, but I think that the Saints have this uh, in pretty good faith here. 
Uh, Packers versus Rams, the other NFC game. This one, I think, is the most no-brainer for me. Uh, I have no faith in Jared Goff as a quarterback. He's injured with his throwing hand. He's got He had thumb surgery. Uh, and you need to pass against Green Bay to win, or you will need to pass against Green Bay to win. Uh, obviously, uh, Green Bay has an okay run defense, but in order to just simply keep up with the scoring of Green Bay, you need to throw the ball. And I don't trust uh, Jared Goff to be able to do that very well. Cam Akers is going to have a good game. He's going to try and do his best to keep the Rams in this game and, and perhaps try single-handedly win the game for the Rams like he did uh, against Seattle the previous week. But I just don't trust Jared Goff. I think he's a broken, unconfident quarterback. He seems lackadaisical. He seems uninspired. He seems very, I mean, he, lo he looks like a California kid because he is a California kid, but, you know, <clears throat> he, he, he looks uninspired at times and I don't think that he has his confidence and I think this should be a relatively easy win for the Green Bay Packers uh, the Rams defense will do its best and it will really keep the Rams in this game for a long time but uh, I think Green Bay gets an easy win here 31-13 uh, Bills versus Raisins this is going to be a close game this is going to be a high scoring game I would bet the over at 49 and a half I think they I think they cover that uh, I think the Bills beat a very good Indianapolis team last week, whereas the Titans were not so strong against the Ravens. They looked really one-dimensional against the Ravens. Um, and it, it's essentially going to come down to, like the Saints and Buccaneers game, it's going to come down between the two quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, who's going to have the better game. Uh, it, I think... Allen has had the better season. I think Allen will have the better game. He's at home for whatever that's worth. It's cold. Uh, there was a big a big story might be a little bit too far of a stretch, but there was a story about Lamar uh, earlier this week talking about the cold, how he doesn't like playing in the cold. He'd have to be going up and playing in the cold. Uh, and, you know, I, I think as good as Lamar Jackson has been in the back half of the season, I just don't think that the Ravens are a good enough football team to beat the Bills, especially with how well the Bills have been playing. Uh, and again, you say, well, the, the game against Indianapolis last week was close. And I think, well, yeah, well, that's because Indianapolis is genuinely a very good football team. And I think if Indianapolis played anybody else last week, they would have beaten that team. Uh, it's just because <clears throat> uh, they played the Bills, which is, is my pick to come out of these. I think the Bills are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, just because at this point of how, how poorly the Chiefs have played in the back half of the season. We'll talk about that uh, very shortly. But um, I think Allen's going to have a great game. He's 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 relatively healthy. He, he does essentially everything that Lamar Jackson does. And he throws the ball much, much better. So I think that when it comes down to the QB battle, I think Lamar Jackson might have a bit of a hard time. Uh, the Bills defense is good, not great. Uh, I, I think I think that the Bills win this game. Uh, Marcus Peters is also questionable for the Ravens, and that's their best defensive back. So I, I really think that it, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a higher scoring game. But I think in the end, the Bills are going to uh, clinch it out and more than likely move on to the AFC Championship game. I think I take Bills 24, or excuse me, 27 to 24 against the Ravens. And lastly here, uh, Browns versus Chiefs. Uh, this game is very, very interesting to me 
because everybody appears to like to poke the Cleveland Browns. It's kind of odd. You know, you think that the consensus around the league is that everybody wants to root for the Cleveland Browns just because the Browns have not had this amount of success in a long, long time. You know, you could say, oh, you know, we're going to beat the crap out of you, but we're happy for you that you made the playoffs. I mean, that's a great accomplishment for that franchise and for that city that they're back in the playoffs and they won their first playoff game in God knows how long. But no, you know, it seems like everybody wants to, to poke the bear that is the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, the Steelers poked the bear and got thwomped by the Browns last week. And the, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are likewise doing a little bit of ish talking uh, and, I, you know, I think that the Browns are an extremely hungry football team. The team is hungry. They wants to win, and it can win. You know, the people that are riding off Cleveland in this game, I think that's way too premature. I think that the Browns have a very good chance to win this football game. Now, yes, Andy Reid is coming off a bye week, and I'm sure if there's one thing that you've heard from your favorite TV analyst or your favorite radio personality over the past week, it's that Andy Reid coming off a bye week is historically great, but... Uh, I don't. I think there is very good potential in this game for the Browns to upset the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs in the last two games, a very very close game against Atlanta in week seven. Uh, excuse me, in week sixteen, uh, and obviously Atlanta was not a good football team last year. Uh, the Chiefs only beat the Atlanta Falcons by a score of seventeen to fourteen. The Chiefs looked very slow, apathetic, and not great in that game. Uh, and then a loss to to the Chargers in Week 17, but we won't hold that against the Chiefs because a loss that is the the week that you rest all your starters, especially when you're the number one seed in the the conference. You rest your starters, take the L. Nobody really cares. You've got the you've got the bye week locked up. So uh, the Chiefs have the potential to come out like they did last year against the Houston Texans and start off really, really slow and find themselves down really early. And whereas last season, you kind of got the impression that no matter what happened, Patrick Mahomes was going to bail the team out. Uh, not going to say that he's not going to do that again, because Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the league. But I, I there's something in my gut that's telling me that it's different. Like the, I feel like the Chiefs are going to be extremely rusty. I think that they did not end the season well. They did not end the season strong, unlike the Browns, who are coming in with all the momentum and confidence in the world. This could be a very dangerous game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I, I, I really want to be able to tell you that the Browns are going to win this football game, and I want to be right about that, but it's like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I really don't know. My my head says Kansas City. My heart says Cleveland. Um, so I guess it, what what part of me wins? Is it my head or is it my heart? I, my my head says Kansas City thirty four, Browns twenty four. Uh, but God, I I would not be surprised if I'm sitting here at this very desk on Monday talking to you about how the uh, the, the Cleveland Browns beat the Kansas City Chiefs because the Kansas City Chiefs came out slow, as they have at a lot of points during the season, especially during the back half of the season, and were not able to catch up with the Cleveland Browns. Um, 
Baker is going to have to play safe football, not safe football. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't be the Baker Mayfield that's going to try and force passes. I think I will say that. I think if the Kansas City Chiefs find themselves ahead in the fourth quarter, they've probably got the victory because if you're forcing Baker Mayfield to throw, that's exactly what the Browns don't want to happen is forcing Baker Mayfield to throw. Although he has looked much better throwing the football this year, it seems like he does have his confidence back. Uh, I, I don't think the Browns want Baker Mayfield throwing the ball, uh, trying to come back late in the fourth quarter. So if the Chiefs are winning late in the fourth quarter, uh, that's obviously that would be pretty good grounds to say that the Chiefs are going to win. But especially against the Browns, I think it would be safe. But if the Browns start as fast as they have the potential to and Kansas City gets caught napping, even off a of bye week, even off a of bye week with Andy Reid as your head coach, I would not be surprised if I'm sitting here on my desk in 48 hours saying, hey, I kind of told you so that the Browns be- could beat the Chiefs. But uh, I, I, my, my head says, no, just just take the safe bet. Say, say Chiefs. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't know if the Browns will cover. Uh, I have them just barely covering here. Uh, Chiefs 34, Browns 24. But um yeah, uh, I think I think we can leave it at that. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting game. That is the game that I am going to be glued to my television set, unless of course it's a blowout. Then I'm probably gonna go do something else and be a bad reporter. Uh, <laughs> imagine a sports guy not watching sports. But anyways, that's the show today, ladies and gentlemen. I told you it was going to be a short one. Go watch some football, my friends. Go enjoy the time with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Sit back, watch a couple of good football games. Eat some good food. Drink some good drinks. Thank you so much for listening to episode four of the Hard Headed Sports uh, Podcast. It's been a fantastic week. It's been a great week of doing these shows. They're only getting better. Um, And uh, especially as I continue to figure out my setup, what I can and cannot do. And uh, basically how to go about my workflow. So thank you. It's It's been great. The show, I think even though it was short, it was really well made and to the point. And uh, I'm happy with it. And I hope you're happy with it as well. So on behalf of me, uh, this has been episode four of the Hardheaded Sports Co- uh, Podcast hosted by me, Nick Ryan. Have a fantastic day, hardheads. So stay hardheaded and I'll see you on Monday.